You are listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday Sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Now, here is more to the story. Welcome to the Forefront Church Podcast, More to the Story. I'm here with Pastor Drew Tarwater. Hey, guys. Pastor Darren Enns. Hey, everybody. And I'm Rob Lazzi. So happy to fill in for Mike Haynes here this week again. So... First off, I want to mention, if you guys do have questions, you want to try to get Darren and Drew to answer your questions, very simple ways to do that. You can email life at ForefrontChurch.tv, or if you're there on a Sunday morning or other times throughout the week at the church, just you can use a connection card and drop it in the boxes in the back when you're there, or probably just pull Drew or Darren aside and say, hey, I have a question for you. you know. But more likely to get the wording that you want, email it in or drop it into the box when you're at the church is better for us, and then I don't have to try to translate what they're thinking into a question. So, and <laughs> Some I'm of Rob you have Lazzi our phone again, numbers, so thank too, you so probably, much for so. tuning in, listening in. So today we're talking Jacob and Esau. So Pastor Ron preached last week on it a little bit and gave us a little uh, prelude. So, But right now we're talking the greater story here. Drew, let's recap Jacob and Esau. What's the, with the birthright and the stew? What's going on? Love this story of Jacob and Esau. It's one of those great, if you grew up in church, uh, Sunday school stories. You know, and did anybody else grow up with a little, what do they call it, the flannel graph board? You guys remember those little flannel graph boards and you get Jacob and you get Esau and you get like the pot and um, the, the stolen stew and all these things. It is a great Sunday school story, but it's one of those stories that as we get older, sometimes we look back on with questions and go, that is a really strange situation and, and you start to wonder, like, God has this promise he gives to, to Abraham and to Isaac, and then, this, then you have this really messy situation. So what's going on here? And you get a, you get a, um, a really a kind of a prelude to this in Genesis chapter 25, where you've, you find that you have uh, Abraham and, and, and Sarah have Isaac, and then Isaac marries Rebecca, and there's this beautiful story about how they come together. And then you see that there is this... Um, this birth of Jacob and Esau, and Rebekah gets pregnant. And in Genesis chapter 25, verse 23, God actually says to Rebekah, she's got this like struggle going on inside of her with twins. And God actually says to Rebekah that um, the, uh, the, the, there are two nations in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided, and one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So before the kids are even born, there's this... Um, word from God that says there's going to be a struggle going on in, in between your two, your two sons and that you see that play out through the story. In Genesis 25, you see that Jacob is kind of the more of the homebody. Esau is more of the hunter. Um, they, they grow, they're growing up and Esau comes home from hunting and he's just like so hungry. And Jacob's making a stew and Esau says to, to Jacob, well, can you give me some of that stew? And uh, Jacob says, well, sell me your birthright. And Esau says, well, I'm about to die. What's it any use to me? And so Jacob says, swear to me right now. And so Esau does, and Jacob gives Esau the stew. But from there on, Esau hated his birthright. He despised it, which is really interesting. So right on, you see Jacob like kind of weasel the birthright out of 
Esau. And then in Genesis 27, you see this concocted plan of Rebecca and Jacob to actually steal the blessing that Isaac was going to give to his oldest son. And you really have this deception that takes place. And so you see what God told to Rebecca come true. But the way it happens is totally in storybook fashion. Um, you know, like watching a, a dramatic movie uh, with deceit and lies and all these things. It's just really interesting how it all comes together. What's the big deal with the birthright in those days compared to like being the oldest in, you know, North America today versus being, you know, in a Middle Eastern culture and being the firstborn? Yeah, ancient Near East culture, what was patriarchal. And, and so it was always your, your birthright, what was the firstborn? Um, primogeniture, I think, is the fancy term for it. Um, and, and basically, that means that the firstborn will inherit your estate and, and most things there. And so that's how it usually worked. However, when we come to the Bible and read these stories, that's not how it hardly ever worked. Most of these stories, it's not the firstborn who gets it. So Abraham has a firstborn, and that's Ishmael, but he does not receive the blessing. God wants to use Isaac, the, the promise that he, he gave through Sarah and Abraham. And then um, Isaac's children, we have Jacob and Esau. Uh, Jacob is the secondborn, and he was prophesied to receive the blessing. As we already mentioned, then Rebecca took that into her own hands and tried to force it to happen rather than just letting God do it. And, and it's a really interesting question um, when, when Rebecca forced that to happen is that what god willed like what, what what's the relationship between the um the the prophecy that the the older shall serve the younger and then what actually happened with rebecca which which one of those is god's will i mean it's did a great he, question did he, for, did he foreknow it right <laughs> or did he allow it or all that that's is that all that predestination stuff is that where we all that stuff yeah, all, all that, that all, all those big words, all that stuff. Well, you do see that over and over again. Right? You see that in the life of um, of Abraham. He God says, "Hey, I'm going to bless you." He tries to take it in his own hands with Hagar, and they have Ishmael. And then God says, "No, Ishmael wasn't wasn't the one I was planning on." You see that here in this story. Um, I mean, you see that over and over again. H- how about when Peter says to Jesus, and Jesus says, "Hey, I'm going to go." To the cross, and Peter's like, "May it never be! I'm not gonna let that happen." And Jesus is like, "Get back from me! What? You're missing the point." So I think we do see the story of the Bible that God's people are always trying to take it into their own hands to accomplish what God wants to be done. When God says, "Look, I've got this under control. All you have to do is follow me." No, that's a. It's crazy to think about that. Where you know, despite our actions, God's plan keeps happening the way He wants it to happen. Right. Yeah, and then that was Ron's uh, one one of his main points. Like even even though we we mess things up, God God's providence always 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 works out. So it's it's really good to trust in that kind of a God, that no matter wh- how much humans screw up, His will is going to be done. Yeah. One of the questions that I've heard people ask is when you see that Jacob and Rebecca deceitfully steal the birthright, and like Darren said, you know. Rebecca hears this, prom- this, this promise from God that it's going to be the younger son who is the one that gets the promise. And so she, you know, at the end of Genesis 27, Isaac's getting old. He's about, he's about to die. He's going to bless his son. And so she overhears it. And that's when she sneaks off to Jacob and says, hey, Jacob, go make a pot of, go make some food for your father. Cover your hands in, in animal fur and pretend that you're Esau so you can get the blessing. 
it does sound like she's trying to take it into her own hands. And so one of the questions is, did God's promise fail then? God had a promise through Esau, and now it's deceived to be taken, or God had his promise for, for Jacob, but now Jacob deceives to take it. And then another question is, did God honor Jacob's deception, right? Like, it seems like, okay, well, Jacob deceives and takes this away, but then, um, you know, did God just say, okay, then Jacob, that's fine, you know, the way this worked. Because you do have two verses that you see something really interesting. In Malachi chapter 1 and Romans chapter 9, you see God say that he loved Jacob but hated Esau. And that creates this little bit of an uncomfortable tension. And so what does it really mean when, when, when God says that? Darren, any thoughts? Yeah, so the, there's a passage, is it Romans 9.13, that mm-hmm. quotes Malachi 1 verse 2? Right. Um, so when we come to that, that passage in Malachi, we have to think about what has happened historically. And um, what, what these names here are representing is more of the nations rather than the people. Um, I, I think that's what's going on in, in here in Malachi. So Jacob, uh, as we know from later on, and Kev will get to this story more, Jacob is renamed Israel, and he becomes the father of the nation of Israel again, through which Jesus, the blessing to the nations, would ultimately come. And Esau, uh, he turns, uh, his ancestors become the nation of Edom. Um, interesting note on the names, Edom means red. And uh, Ron had some great humor about the birth story of Jacob and Esau, um, where, where Esau came out and he was red and hairy all over, and Ron just went, ew. <laughs> I, I, we, that, that was great. We all laughed a lot. Um, but yeah, so, so Esau came out red, uh, and, and he becomes the, the father of, of Edom, which Edom in Hebrew means red. Um, later on in the story, when Jerusalem was under siege, uh, Edom refused to take in any refugees from, from Judah and Jerusalem when they were being attacked. And um, the, the whole book of Obadiah, it's pretty short. I think, it not it just one chapter? Mm-hmm. Obadiah is really short. If you go read it, it's all about Edom, and it's all about judgment against Edom, which is the nation that, whose ancestor was, was Esau. And so they refused to take in refugees, and so the prophet Obadiah just prophesies against Edom continuously, uh, against them, that they will be destroyed. And so in, in this context that we have the nation of Esau, which is Edom, that's, and they did not treat their brothers and sisters, their cousins 14 times removed, they didn't take them in and protect them from the evil empires of, of Babylon and Assyria. So so the, I think that's what this means here. Um, it's not that, that um, as Ron said, just because Jacob was chosen, to follow or to have this to the blessing through him does not mean that Esau was rejected. So I don't think this is the specific people of Jacob and Esau, but it's rather the nations um, that resulted from the two. Do you think a lot of people, when they read the Bible, you hear, you know, God chose this, but then there's a, a natural thought to go, well, then he means he's, he's rejecting B. It's like, well, no, he can, he can bless multiple, but he can choose a specific group. I think so. I think you see that in, in um, the story of Abraham with Isaac and Ishmael. You know, Isaac um, is obviously the son of promise, uh, but Ishmael, God says, I'm going to bless and make him into a mighty nation too. So I don't think it's, you know, God chooses one and he hates it and he just completely rejects the other. I think God can bless both. But God has a plan for how he's going to work through human agency. And um, that is through, in this case, Isaac, or Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, so could Esau have been still blessed by God? 
Absolutely. But I do think, as Darren said, you see that Edom just completely gets off, falls off the rails and worships false gods and God ends up judging them because of it. You know, there's also that idea, like this idea of hate. When we see that word hate, we, we come bring in like this kind of Western version of like, oh, I, I, you know, I can't stand this person. But I think there's this interesting verse in the, in the book of Luke where Jesus talks about um, if you're going to, if you're going to follow me and love me, then you have to hate your mother and your father. Which is, wouldn't that be in direct contradiction to the idea of honoring your mother and father and the Ten Commandments? Jesus is all about you honoring your parents, but what he's talking about is your love for me should be so much more than um, even the closest relationships in your life. It's kind of like that idea, like, you know, you could say, um, you know, you, 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 you might hate broccoli compared to your love for peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, you know? Like, you, you might actually like broccoli, but... You hate it compared to how delicious um, Skittles are or, or something like that. And so it's just like I, God loved his people uh, that, that brought through or through Jacob. You know, God loved Jacob. Um, and not to say that God didn't love Esau, but what you do see down, through down the annals of time is that Esau completely veered away from God. And it does bring in this idea of, uh, of this covenant that we talked about last week. Um, yeah. We talked about this idea of covenant. I know there's some questions around that, like conventional, you know, c- conditional or versus unconditional. What What are some examples of a conditional or unconditional versus unconditional covenants that were given throughout the Bible? Yeah. So there, what's an example of a conditional? Yeah, there's four main covenants in the Old Testament. Um, the best okay. example of a conditional is the covenant that was given to the Israelites at Mount Sinai. Um, there's, you know, and that encompasses the entire law. A lot of it is in Leviticus. A lot of it is in Deuteronomy, some of these other places. And, and God says, Hey, I have saved you by my grace. I've come down and rescued you out of Egypt. You're no longer slaves. I have provided salvation for you. Now, will you enter into this covenant with me? And will you do these things so that the other nations can see what kind of God I am? And he outlines all these things, you know, 10 commandments being, being the basic things, the Levitical, Levitical law. And then in the book of Exodus, we read that the people accept, they say, these things we will do. And so they enter into this relationship with each other, God and the people of Israel, where they agree to uphold these terms of the covenant. So God says, um, as long as if, if, if we keep this covenant agreement, I will do this. And here's how you respond to, to my salvation. And so it's really interesting that even in the midst of that Levitical law, God's grace approaches them first. It's not that that the people of Israel had to do anything to enter the covenant. They just cried out to God and God rescued them, sent Moses, bam, they're, they're rescued. And that's very similar to our new covenant that we can enter into this covenant uh, with God free of charge. We can know and walk with Jesus without having done uh, anything on our own behalf. Um, But then once we are into it, there are some things we should probably be changed somehow. We should probably talk and walk with the Holy Spirit so that we can actually be a gift and be a blessing to, to this world like he wants us to be. Um, in an unconditional covenant, there, there is one, the, the first one of the big four is the one with Noah. Uh, the people, uh, Noah's family, they, yeah, they had faith and, and Noah built the ark, um, but that wasn't predicated on the covenant that God made after that. The covenant after the flood, when they came out, was the rainbow in the sky. That was the sign. And God said, I'm never going to do this. I'm going to make it a covenant with me and you that I'm never going to do this. But he doesn't tell Noah he has to do anything. That is an unconditional mm. covenant that God will never again destroy the world 
through a, fl- a flood like he did. So th- those are the two examples, unconditional versus conditional. And then wh- how does that, like, mentioned with, uh, how, with our faith in Christ, how that's a conditional, like, how do, help me out with that, with, like, our responsibility versus God's responsibility. It's such a, such a big topic to, to boil down to this, this idea of, of God is sovereign, God has, is in control, but there's also a responsibility on mankind to respond and to believe. So you, you get this picture of the unconditional versus conditional, and, and back to this promise that God makes to Abraham. You know, he makes this Abra- promise to Abraham in Genesis 12, I'm going to bless you to make you to be a nation. Immediately, God, Abraham takes it into his own hands. And then you see this, this um, covenantal ceremony that we talked about two weeks ago, where God then... Um, sets Abraham down, puts Abraham to sleep. They take bulls and doves and all these things, and God passes through those to say, I'm the one who's going to deliver on this. But Abraham, you, you still need to respond in faith. And so you see this back and forth with Abraham's life of him taking it matters in his own hands, God coming back to re, you know, reaffirm and, and cause him to remember the promise. And so you see this tension, Rob, that is it's hard to make it's hard to fit in a nice tidy box that God is the one that is going to um, see that the covenant is kept and to see, to see that, the, that the promises are delivered. But there's a responsibility on mankind and on us as, as believers, as people that follow him to, to do our part. And you see that when it comes to faith. You see so many verses in the Bible where it talks about God is the one that is responsible for faith. That faith is a gift. Yet you see so many verses in Scripture where it's that it's our responsibility to believe. What do we need to do? You know, Peter tells the whole this entire group of people in Jerusalem in Acts chapter two about Jesus, and they say, "What do we need to do?" Peter says, "God did all of this for you," and and then the people are like, "Well, what do we need to do?" And what does Peter say? Believe, right? He says, "Repent, believe, get baptized," and so there's these two parallels that run. God's sovereignty, God's in control, God is the one that, that, that makes things happen, yet we have a responsibility to, to believe and to act. And they don't cross each other, but they run parallel to each other. And there's a tension that we have to embrace because it is a little bit unclear sometimes and difficult. But I think one of the things that God shows us through the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is that God uses brokenness and this story of, of deception and, and still uses those things to accomplish his purposes. What if Rebecca and Jacob would have never stolen the birthright? What if Jacob would have never um, stolen the, the blessing? Re- Rebecca and Jacob, I should say, never stolen the blessing, right? Would God have still used Jacob to bless the world? Yes, but even though they did sin and deceive and steal this blessing, God still used them. Was there a lot more heartburn and consequence because of their sin? Absolutely. You'll, you'll, we'll talk about that more next week when Jacob and Esau run into each other, you know, 30 years later or however long it was. There's consequences when we get in God's way. But it, doesn't, it doesn't negate the fact that, that God is still in control and God is still sovereign. And what he wants us to do, though, when we see that we have veered, Repent and believe. We get back in, back in, in the lane and keep running towards where God has called us to go. And it, that's good news because we all do mess up. And it's a reminder that God uses crooked sticks to make things straight, 
even when we mess it up, God's promises are always true. And the story of the Bible is all about God's faithfulness because the nation of Israel, which is the bulk of the Old Testament, they were not faithful. They did not keep up their end of the bargain. So when they failed, God had immense patience, 500 years of patience with the nation of Israel when they weren't keeping the covenant. There were cycles of good people and bad kings and all that kind of stuff, but ultimately they failed. And so that's when Assyria and Babylon came in and essentially wiped out the people and the land they had. But God is still faithful. Even though the people weren't faithful, God was still faithful. He was still going to bring about the blessing to the nations because this was like Jesus was plan A. There was no plan plan B or C or D. It's not like, oh no, my humans messed up and what am I going to do now? You know, so Jesus was plan ZZ or whatever. Um, so it, yeah, it's really important to know that, that the Old Testament is a story of God's faithfulness and humanity's yeah. failure and, and how those, those run in tension. Yeah, no, it's interesting then how that we relate that to our lives where, you know, we, I think we all see the places where we, we struggle or fail in life and you go, oh, how, how can God use someone like me after I did that or this, or I treated somebody this way. And so there's that hope in that, but there's, there's also, like you said, in that tension and that frustration though, too, where how do we, how do we balance the two and you know, is it God's plan versus like, how does he going to use this? My, one of my favorite thoughts I've seen, like when people are, you know, you're getting taught something through something rough, like, can he teach me nicer? Like I'll take it, you know, when people, my favorite is when people are like, Hey, I need you to pray for me. So I have more patience. I'm like, every time I hear someone learning how they got patient, it wasn't a fun story. So, <laughs> so it's like, pray for patience and ask for it kindly. <laughs> exactly. Right. And I think God gives us the um, gives us the Bible and the characters in the Bible to reveal to us that it's not about us trying to do things on our own. It's about following His lead and listening to His promise and believing that what He says is true. And you look at the genealogies of Jesus in the Book of Matthew and in the Book of Luke, and what you see is you you don't see a picture of anybody that had it together. You see this picture of people that continually made mistakes and fell down, right? I mean, you look and it's like, Abraham, what a mess he was. Isaac did some messy things. Jacob, what a mess. I mean, you get all the way down to Judah. I mean, Judah made, did all kinds of messy things. And you go all the way down. I mean, Rahab, she was a prostitute. Um, David, we, we'll talk about David in a couple months, but David, I mean, he was a man after God's own heart, but murderer, you know, did all kinds of terrible things. And, and you work all the way down, and God uses broken people to, to bring us to Jesus, who makes everything right. And it's a reminder to us that you and I will never be perfect enough, we'll never be good enough, we can never work hard enough to, to do exactly what God calls us to do because we live in a broken world, which is why we need Jesus. And so there's some relief and freedom in that, that God uses our brokenness to, to bring about his purposes and fulfill his promises. It's also the reminder when we do try to take things in our own hand, put that back at the feet of Jesus and, and just run after God again to believe his promises because there is that, again, that tension that God's, what God says is going to happen will happen. But we need to believe and we need, to, we need to, to run as fast and as hard as we can with where God is calling us to play our part in it too. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Darren, any parting words before we wrap this up? 
Uh, I, I'd love to hear your questions. If you guys have them, you, you know how to get a hold of us, Life Forefront Church. Drop a connection card in, in the offering box. We'd love to do a better job at responding to your questions. So yeah, feel free to feel free to, to let us know what yeah, you're thinking. Text us, email us. Um, yeah, we'd love to be able to talk more about any of those specifics. No, absolutely. Well, Darren, Drew, I appreciate the time. I appreciate the insight. Drew, are you are you preaching next week or coming up soon? What's the what's so the schedule look like? This week we've got Pastor Kev is gonna Rev Kev Rev Kev. Oh, Rev, nice. Rev Kev's <laughs> gonna teach on on uh, Jacob wrestling with God. So it's gonna be a really good one. And next week, good. come prepared with your WWF jokes. <laughs> WCW. WWE. I just aged myself by saying WWF, didn't I? I, I that don't. was like oh. back in the day. Rowdy, well, on that, Rowdy, on Rowdy that Piper. Note, if you have questions on what Drew's talking about right now, <laughs> life at forefrontchurch.tv. Send all complaints to Drew. And all your complaints to Tyler Gross at forefrontchurch.tv. <laughs> right. Is it, are those bounced to you now? <laughs> they do. They do. <laughs> so, all right. Well, guys, thank you so much. And thanks for listening. Like I said, any questions, send them in to us, and we will address those as they come in. All right. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate Once it. Once again. Forefront Church Podcast, more to the story. Do this every week to follow up on the sermons, preview sermons, and answer your questions that we have every week. Thanks, guys. You have been listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday Sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of More to the Story.